Hello everybody and welcome to a Cana Rince interview extra. It's a special show and today I'm delighted to be joined by Gamer Sensei's William Collis. Welcome to Cana Rince, William. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to, to speak with you. So we're going to explain and discover what Gamer Sensei is all about um, and in from from having read the uh, the pricey that I've been given, I understand that it's a service that provides uh, coaching for gamers to improve themselves, uh, make themselves so that they don't get the 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 uh, metaphorical sand kicked in their face down the beach any longer. Um, and I absolutely like. I believe the theory is sound. I think coaching at any discipline can be of benefit, but I think um, we definitely want to hear about the methods of the coaching. Uh, obviously, in, in traditional sports coaching, there's established qualifications and uh, for the varying levels of skill, and there are governing bodies. And so this is kind of, you know, you're being an entrepreneur in this field, I guess it's kind of a, a Wild West area, but you've been going a couple of years uh, now, is that right? Yeah, 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 it's coming up on two years, which is kind of crazy. I mean, it's closer to a year and a half. But yeah, we've we've been around. I mean, we're old for esports now. I feel yeah, like right. you know, like I mean, most things in the space are what like you know six months old. I mean, the Overwatch mm. League hasn't even started yet. So mm. yeah, we're we're getting to be a grandfather in the space, which is scary considering that's how fast the space is changing. Well, yeah, I've got some questions about that because that's obviously part of your business uh, needs to be incredibly dynamic. Um, yeah, so I guess the first question on a very uh, broad level, uh, what do, what does the coaching entail? Uh, like, is it is it person to person? Is it online? Is it packages? Is are there uh, rigorous schedules, or or is it more um, touchy feely than that? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. So I I guess just kind of stepping back um, before we even go into sort of what the coaching entails, we should talk about like it's. It, you know, every game is different, right? So I think yeah. at this point we offer coaching for, I think it's 11 of sort of mm -hmm. the most popular esports games. Yeah. And, you know, any session you get is going to be, you know, obviously tailored exactly to that game. So mm -hmm. what coaching looks like for League of Legends is very different from, you know, what coaching looks like for Counter-Strike or yeah. Hearthstone, right? Of course. So, um, but, you know, broadly, and we can get into some specifics later, but, you know, broadly, let's just say, you know, what happens? You come to the Gamer Sensei website, what's your experience? So, you know, you visit us, you fill out a profile, and the more information you give us um, about you and your gaming skills, the more accurately we're able to represent, uh, recommend coaches to you. Then you go into a coach search. Um, you're able to see, you know, dozens to hundreds of results, depending on your game, of sort of top qualified coaches. And we do screen and interview. We have a very exclusive uh, process for getting on the platform. So, you know, kind of no matter what, you're getting a good match. But then we make recommendations for you. You can browse through the pool. You find your lesson, you schedule it, and then you can connect with the coach and begin learning. And we're a very consumer-friendly facing platform. So we let you, you know, we have very different types of packages. We let you do, you know, one-hour bookings. We let you subscribe for regular lessons at a set time. We let you subscribe for a certain number of hours per month and right. have you structure that however you and your coach recommend. So, you know, we try to be um, very flexible because, you know, fundamentally, we're a product to make you improve at the game, but we're also entertainment. I mean, it, it's fun, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a lot of, yes, many of our students play League of Legends because they're very serious about being competitive and, you know, they want to climb to the top ranks. But many other students take lessons because they just want to win more at League. And this is another fun way for them to experience that game. 
Mm. So uh, from the sounds of it, coaching could be, a, a you know, obviously depending on, on, on your funds, we'll talk Turkey in a minute, but um, you could have a, a relatively uh, brief experience where you, you think uh, that maybe half a dozen sessions would, would just get you all those basics that you're going wrong at? Or could you end up with a, like with a boxer or someone end up with a, a long-term ongoing relationship with their coach? Oh, we, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely both, but um, certainly for the people who, you know, and look, we, we want to sort of serve both markets, but um, obviously you get out of coaching what you put into it. So if you're willing to commit to long-term regular lessons, you'll mm. see substantially more improvement. Um, and that's actually honestly close to the majority of our user base. I mean, people who use Gamer Sensei, and I, I think this is the really cool thing is it's actually just a really fun experience to be coached. So people who do it want to do it again. You know, they want to stick around and you know we have people i mean some people on the platform will do 20 hours of lessons a week or more i mean it's incredible you know they're really doing this as you know part-time training or they're doing this as the primary way they're engaged with the game and i i think that's both because the experience is so valuable for helping you improve but you know again i mean it's, it's also just fun i mean that that's i think the thing that and i'll step back a little bit here i mean i think when you hear the word coaching you are a little bit like, you know, I, I get images even a little bit of like, you know, being yelled at on like a soccer pitch, you know, right. like someone yeah. is blowing a whistle and like sprint from here to there. And look, I mean, the coaching can be very serious. Absolutely. Mm. You know, but it's also tailored to it's personalized to your level of engagement with the game and your goals. So if you're trying to be challenger in League of Legends, that looks very different than if you just want to get into gold and Overwatch, you know. Mm. Um, so but we can we can kind of dive more into that a little bit later. Have you had uh, an experience so far or any of your coaches have said uh, or like would would they be uh, honest enough to say to somebody if they they'd improve them to such a point where they said there is nothing more I can teach you you must go off into the world on your own or yeah. is there another level up of coaching they can go to once they're they're better than their own coach kind of thing Yeah good goodbye grasshopper kind yeah. of moment like yeah. you learned everything you can at my school Yeah I mean absolutely actually that's I I wouldn't say that's incredibly common but it's definitely particularly amongst students who are um doing Doing more regular lessons it is common that either they you know they improve so much they want to move to another coach or what they are trying to improve and this is the more common element changes and so another coach might be a better fit for them you know kind of the beauty of us being an online distributed learning platform is we can literally get you the best instructor for the exact specific thing you want to learn you know right now and so if you're practicing you know support in league of legends the best coach for you at your level might be different than say if you want to be an ADC, you know? So I think that's one of the the really neat things about the platform. And the more committed students do actually rotate the coaches to sort of get variety in training. Just like for mm. baseball, you know, you have a batting coach, a pitching coach, et cetera. All right. Um, so how do you set uh, settle upon, decide upon and um, sort of uh, grade your coaches? Is it based solely around their playing ability or is it, is it a deeper uh, sort of assessment they go through than that? No, I mean, that that's a great question. Actually, I think that's one of the secrets of the platform and mm. why we've managed to be so successful is, you know, we do absolutely their playing ability and their rank in the game is critical. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, because you can't, you know, have never played Hearthstone and then, you know, try to teach somebody the game. Mm. But, you know, we have a five-step screening 
process for coaches on our platform. Okay. And it turns out that the gameplay skills, that's actually the least important thing yeah. to screen for. It's basically a checked box. You know, yeah. they're either good enough um, or they're not. Mm. And, you know, by the way, you can good enough is also relative. So, yeah. you know, let's say you're a diamond player in League of Legends. You might, st you know, you're not going to be coaching challenger players, but you might be a perfectly good lower cost coach for a bronze player who wants tips, you know. So the the rank in the game, you know, obviously where we're, we care about it a lot, we screen on it pretty extensively, but it turns out to be the easy thing. But the harder thing, mm. and where I think Gamer Sensei adds the most value, is in actually the ability to teach, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that's what we spend most of our time screening applicants for in the platform. So they have to fill out, you know, a two-stage uh, actual, you know, written application. Then they have to do a mock lesson and an interview. Um, then there's additional follow-up with sort of an experienced coach, depending on, uh, you know, how those, you know, first screens go. And then once they're on the platform, we continue to monitor all sorts of aspects of their performance, including student improvement, um, student reviews, uh, you know, and lots of other things like timeliness of, you know, lesson. Are they showing up yep. on time? So sure. we use all of that to guarantee that you're not just getting a good player, mm. you're getting a really good teacher. And and that's important, right? Because like the example I always like Absolutely. to use is think of like, you know, who's really think of in your mind, like, you know, the guy who's really good at Call of Duty, right? Mm. You know, on Xbox Live, right? Mm. They might be really good at Call of Duty. That is not somebody you want to spend an hour with, you know, having this is a very good point. To do. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's a huge piece of, of the value of Gamer Sensei. Um, and actually, I feel like I'm talking a lot here, but there's if I can keep going for one second. Please, please um, do. The, the really cool thing about the fact that we have this focus on being a good teacher is it's kind of let us surface this whole new class of pro gamer, basically. Um, so people who... Yeah, of course, they're very good at the game, but they're not necessarily taking down dream hacks or, you know, like, um, mm. you know, they're not big names that you would have heard of, but they're extremely experienced and effective teachers mm. who yeah. now have sort of for the first time ever found a way to to monetize this talent. Um, you know, a good example of that is like, you know, one of my favorite guys is, is a coach called FKI Shadow for Hearthstone. Um, and this guy, I mean, you've never heard of him. He's never been in any tournament results. He's never been in the top of the, you know, the mm -hmm. leaderboards. Yeah. But he is just the best teacher. He's just yeah. so motivational. He's so insightful. He has a deep analytical math background and he's trained players to go pro. Yeah. You know, he's trained people for the Switch team. So, you know, that, that's, it's so cool. And that guy, I mean, he, he's amazing as a teacher and he, you know, th that sort of role in esports didn't exist for him, you know, yeah. before. And now it's something Gamer Sensei is sort of able to create. So that's that's really cool. Yeah. So uh, I guess it's a similar thing. You would, uh, if you were a member of the local golf club or tennis club, you've got the club pro there, and it doesn't. It's not necessarily somebody who's uh, who's winning honors at you know at the majors, but who is a an extremely competent player, but who is uh, at least as good a teacher as they are a a player. Yeah, 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 that's exactly right. Except, you know, the, the difference between this and the pro at the local golf club is at your local golf club, you have the one pro. Mm. Here, because we're a distributed learning platform, you know, you have hundreds of people yeah. you can pick from. Yeah. And then the even cooler part is, again, because we're a remote, we have the top tier guys too. If you want to get a lesson with Prolly from H2K, right. you know, or Shifty, the the coach of the, the old Dignitas Overwatch team, like, you know, they're there, go grab them. Mm. You know, they're obviously more expensive because yeah. they're premium but you know they're premium instructors but yeah they're there too you know and that's the really neat thing about gamer sensei you know you can find the right person for you and for the level of skill you're trying to go for 
Yeah, yeah. You have uh, something, uh, an algorithm, patent pending, uh, used to match players to coaches. Could you tell us a bit more about how that works? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And so here, un- unfortunately, because it's you know patent pending, it's obviously confidential. But yeah. you know, the core idea is look, like you know, we we can get a good amount of information from you. You know, for example, you know, we ask for your summoner ID, and then we can make calls on Riot's APIs. And in the background, we can learn quite a lot about you as a gamer. Um, you can also tell us things about you. You know, for example, when you request a lesson, we ask you to fill out a card about, you know, what you want to do in that lesson or what your goals are. And, you know, this and all sorts of other data points, you know, we can start to put together to try to figure out who's good for you. You know, and in the beginning of GamerSense, we wondered, you know, well, should we just pick coaches for people, you know, and say, this is your coach. Mm-hmm. And we do want to let people browse because I think esports coaching is so new that, um, there is this sense of, uh, you know, people want to understand the product a little bit more. And so showing people more types of coaches gives them yeah. a better idea. But mm-hmm. we're definitely very proud of the ability to recommend coaches. And you know, I think it adds an enormous amount of value because ultimately you don't want a coach. You want the right coach for you. And if we can help with that even a little bit, that's very valuable. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, jumping around a bit, but you mentioned the uh, the sort of the, the the checks they have to go through because um, obviously, as well as the uh, as you say, they have to qualify as as uh, decent human beings and and uh, and talented games players. Um, I suppose you you obviously you've got people paying for this service, but you also have a kind of duty of care as well. And I guess um, although I, I I don't know what your lower age limit is, but obviously you're going to have young people signing up to this, so there's a kind of safeguarding issue and that kind of thing. So I I presume that a lot of these the checkboxes and the and the procedure that the coaches go through sort of incorporates that stuff yeah 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 i mean obviously we have to be you know i mean without going into too much detail about it yes i mean you know it's an online training service we have to be careful about who we're matching and mm-hmm. you know, the ages of people that we match so you know when you use the site there's consent on both sides yeah. um you know, there's monitoring from us. And also, by the way, not just on the student side, but on the coach side, you know, yeah. there are there are 15 year olds who are very good at games. Of course, you know, yeah. uh, unfortunately, they're they're probably not going to be great coaching material. But, mm-hmm. you know, that was something we discovered early on. And it's another reason why we need to be very diligent about screening and maintaining the quality of the platform. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested uh, what metrics are used to determine the success or lack of uh, with with the players, first of all. Um, do, is it simply a case of looking at their results improving or is there something more kind of concrete in place in that? Well, that, that's a really good question. Um, and this is where it's, it's a little bit tricky because it sort of goes to we have lots of different types of gamers using the platform right Mm -hmm. and so you know i'll give you kind of the extreme examples on the one end you know we have people who are like you know they're trying to go pro in hearthstone right you know and they're looking for any edge they can because you know they have a tournament coming up and you know they want to get like you know pro advice from Mm -hmm. other top tier players on you know what the meta should be you know what decks they should run right Mm -hmm. you know so that's let's say that's one high point on the low end you know let's say we have and this is pretty common we have a parent you know, they they have a kid who plays Dota 2 all the time. It's yeah. like their true love, you know, yeah. and, you know, the mom or the dad just can't figure out why their daughter, you know, is playing six hours of Dota 2 every day. And they, you know, they want to be able to understand and, you know, honestly, yeah. play with the kid, share that experience with them. Hmm. So, you know, those are two extremes, but obviously they have very, very different goals. So, you know, we can measure skill improvement. And, you know, unfortunately, I can't share the exact numbers of skill 
skill improvement um, because it's 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 confidential, but it, it's really significant and it happens mm. really quickly. You know, even in the first two lessons, it's the yeah. improvement is is pretty dramatic. And, and it makes sense, right? Because it would be like if you'd never had a football coach and then nobody had football coaches and then all of a sudden you were the only person in the world who had a football coach. You know, you would be a lot better. It would be a real competitive edge. But skill improvement is just one dimension. So, you know, the things that I think matter more than that, honestly, are the reviews that students submit. And we ask Mm. people to grade every lesson. And then candidly, the rebooking rate, you know, because if you've had a good experience, you'll come back, right? And so, you know, but again, those are just two examples. I mean, there's obviously lots of stuff we look at, but fundamentally, it does highlight the fact that Mm. coaching is a little bit different for everybody. And the beauty of this is it's a very personalized platform. It's really tailored to your experience. That's great. And um, similarly, are there metrics uh, by which you can determine the success of, of your coaches? Like, if there was a coach who just wasn't getting the, the necessary results, obviously they've 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 passed all the uh, the probation period and the and all the check boxes. Yeah. But uh, but you know, so we've all had employees who then haven't made the grade. Is there is there recourse to go back to them and say uh, you need some coaching or <laughs> or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we actually we do that quite a bit. We um, one of the cool things about the platform is we can you know do mentorship chains so we can have more experienced coaches work with less experienced coaches you know to try to raise up or you know even better than that we can have coaches who we see have a lot of potential you know um and then you know work to improve them to be really top tier so we absolutely do that i mean that being said yeah we we monitor i mean we're we're really diligent about monitoring everything on the platform and we Mm. do you know, have to kick, for example, coaches off if, for example, you know, we don't see the improvement weights we want or we don't see the the lesson satisfaction um, rates we want. Uh, And we do have, you know, a quality guarantee on the lesson to protect students as well. Mm. But that being said, it's it's actually extremely rare because we're so diligent about screening up front. Right. Um, And candidly, the coaches have such a good motivation to do well Mm. because for most of these guys, right, like this is the, you know, this is a really important source of income for them because it can be significant. You know, I mean, if you're coaching 30 or 40 hours a week or more, you know, for 20 or $30 an hour, you know, it it starts to be a really good (laughs) source of income. And in fact, for many people on the platform, it's now a full-time job. Yeah. But the other reason is it's just, it's a way for them to monetize the skills in the game they love. Yeah. And, you know, right now, to be very honest, there aren't a lot of good options. I mean, no. yes, if you're a top tier streamer on Twitch, you know, you're top 10 for a game, you're going to do fine. Yes, if you're one of the top 100 players, you know, say you're one of the top, I think it's going to be 68 guys in the Overwatch League or 66 guys in the Overwatch League. Like, mm. Yes, you're going to do fine. But staying with Overwatch for a second, I mean, there are 75,000 Grandmaster players in that <laughs> right. game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That- those are 75,000 people who are really good. I think that's why I don't there play are, that game anymore. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there aren't 75,000, you know, full-time Overwatch streamers, mm. Overwatch League slots and casters, you know. And so we're very valuable, I think, is another employment opportunity in esports that lets you leverage those skills. Mm. So you mentioned there uh, how much some of your coaches uh, might make, um, but obviously one of the one of the most uh, prominent questions when uh, when I mentioned this interview to people is um, you know how much does it cost? Uh, what what you know I assume there's a low end and a high end and everything in between, but what are those figures? I yeah. think that's important for people to understand. So. Um, 
you know, typically on the low end, lessons are around $10 an hour. Mm -hmm. um, on the high end, they can be $60 an hour or $100 an hour or more. I mean, if you're booking real celebrity coaches, like, yeah. you know, Purge and Dota 2, yeah. um, you know, it can it can be pretty expensive, mm. you know. Um, but, you know, I'd say typically, you know, the average cost of a lesson is about $20 an hour, mm. um, you know, give or take for, for most people shopping around. And, you know, one thing, you know, obviously where, you know, we want you to do more lessons. So, you know, we offer subscription bundles to get the cost down. And, yeah. you know, candidly, what I would say to anybody listening to this is, you know, just, just try it out. I mean, we have like a money back guarantee, you know, well, we'll make it right for you if you don't have a good experience. And mm. I guarantee you, you'll like it. And then when you do like it, you know, try to try to make, you know, like my my whole advice to people is, you know, pick a night of the week and make that your game practice night. You mm. know, it's Monday night from six to eight or yeah. Tuesdays from seven to nine, you know, kind of make it an event, subscribe and, you know, you can get quite a lot off the lessons if you're doing them regularly. So, hmm. yeah, you can't really argue with a money back guarantee on something. So, uh, yeah, fair play to you for offering that. Well, I mean, it, it. believe me, I mean, it's we wouldn't do it if the product wasn't good. You know, we'd be out of business pretty yeah. quick. So. Yeah. For sure. So um, you're, uh, you, you mentioned some of uh, esports' big hitters across multiple genres, including uh, League, obviously Overwatch, CSGO, Hearthstone. Um, but uh, I didn't see in your uh, your blurb any fighting games mentioned. Is that something you're going to add to your portfolio? Have you got some in there already? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, fighting games are, you're right, there are no fighting games on Gamer Sensei right now. And okay. I'm actually a huge Street Fighter Third Strike fan. Right, yes. Uh, yes. So, Good stuff. Um, it's definitely, you know, I, I would say this, you know, we're still growing as a company and we have plans to add lots of titles um, to the platform mm. in, you know, the next few months. And I would just say, you know, stay tuned. Um, mm. You know, I mean, even recently we just launched, uh, what was it? Elder Scrolls Legends in partnership with Bethesda. We were able to put that on the yeah. platform. So. Yeah, that was a, mm. that struck me as an interesting one, actually, wondering about how how one would coach for a for a game a lot like it makes sense to me games with huge amounts of deep strategy or or uh, twitch skills or, or or whatever but uh elder scrolls online seemed like a, a slightly odd fit but that's me speaking as somebody who hasn't actually played that game but i'm thinking about traditionally those things are uh, perhaps more about you know building up numbers and and stats and simply time rather than skill so, so that is a great point, um, and that's why it's actually Elder Scrolls Legends, the card game that Bethesda oh, released. Oh, my mistake! To, okay, and not Elder Scrolls Online. But you're right. You know, MMOs is a genre or something we're looking at right now and trying to understand. You know, where does coaching fit for that? Because I absolutely think that it's coachable because the high end of those games are very, very skill based. But you're right, MMOs in particular do tend to be about the grind. And so, you know, it's still, I, I think it's still a little bit of an unsold puzzle for us um, mm. when you think about it, because you're right, you know, if, if you, you know, you might just be better off doing another raid. And so, but I, I would suspect as we talk to more experts and pro players in that field and understand it a little bit more, you know, I, I think you'll see some news from us about MMOs um, sooner rather than later as well. Okay. And you've got Gwent on the list as well? Oh yeah, I love Gwent. By the way, have you played it? I'm playing. I'm currently playing The Witcher Three for the podcast, um, but I don't have time to play Gwent because we we're playing to a deadline because for the show. Um, so I'm sort of I'm interested in Gwent in the game, and I know the spin-off game is kind of uh, an extension of it. Um, well, it looks it, intriguing, but uh, but also time consuming. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have to say, as somebody who who played Witcher three and was like, you know, because I'm I I love RPGs and I I finished Witcher one and Witcher two and I was I think I was like twenty hours into Witcher three and I was like, all right, I have to. I have to make a choice right now. I can like, you know, not get any work done for a month or I can yeah. I can finish this game. Yeah. So but I, I'd say the Gwent standalone card game is very actually, although it's superficially similar mm. um to Gwent and Witcher 3, mm. it's a much, much better game. Right. It, the 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 Gwent card game is actually a really, really very good game. Mm. Um and it's you know, as it's presented in Witcher 3, I think it's more of a collectible distraction with yes. some definitely fun and interesting you know gameplay mechanics but i wouldn't i wouldn't classify it as a as a truly deep game whereas Mm -hmm. the standalone gwent is actually very much very competitive and very strategic so it's definitely worth checking out it really surprised me particularly because it's so different from i would say what you know the more the more typical digital ccgs right now like you know hearthstone for example Mm -hmm. you know there are no converted mana costs for the cards. Everything can be played. Um, you know, it's sort of like a, I play one card, you play one card, which has some very interesting consequences because it makes the game much feel a little bit more like chess um, and a little bit less like, say, you know, your traditional CCG. Right, right. I'm also interested as somebody, I play a lot of different genres of game, but um, probably online uh, competitive gaming is one of the things I actually spend the least time doing, although I enjoy it when I do, but I probably spend more time, probably because I'm old and I grew up in the arcades of the 80s, uh, actually trying to beat my friends' uh, high scores on games like, whether it's actually old games, retro games, or, or retro-style score-chasing games. Uh, so this year it would have been Next Machina, which has enormous high score potential. But obviously mm. a huge amount of being good at that game is simply um, hand-eye coordination, skills and reflexes. But there's definitely things that could be learned or taught uh, in terms of secrets and techniques. But obviously there's a fine line um, between paying somebody to be a kind of uh, a human game facts. You want somebody who can actually give you better value than that. So is there, would you, would you consider coaches for, for score attack games in that traditional sort of genre? That That's interesting. You know, I, I think ultimately, you know, if it, if it's a skill-based game, Right. And I, I think this goes to just a more broadly thing about what can you coach, not even video games, mm. right? Just like what is coachable? Yeah. If it's skill based, there will be a need for an expert instructor, right? Mm. You know, it's the same reason why something like art, right? You know, why you can get like a painting teacher. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's anything that humans engage in that is is skill based. Fundamentally, there there is that market. I do think that... Um, Esports in these online competitive games are a little bit different and a little bit better for coaching right now because they're also competitive and typically team-based. Yeah. And those introduce new dynamics that add additional value to the coaching experience. But look, ultimately I could see, you know, the gamer sensei platform, you know, doing coaching for a lot of things, you know. I'd love to offer coaching for Ikaruga or something. You wow, know what yeah. I mean? Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, so, you know, I, I think hang tight, but definitely right now, I mean our, our focus is more sort of these online competitive games because I think they activate more of the value that coaching can bring. Mm, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, and you mentioned, uh, obviously, team-based stuff there. Uh, do your do your packages and coaches work with uh, groups of people simultaneously? So if you have a team on a particular game, uh, they can be coached as a team? Yes, yes, we do do team-based coaching. Um, and in fact, we have some, I should say, stay tuned. There are going to be some uh, some updates to the website, which are going to make this, I think, even even more effective coming up. Um, nothing I can talk about yet. But yes, team-based coaching is, is definitely something that we offer on Gamer Sensei right now. 
Another thing we've started to do actually is work with colleges, you know. So, for example, we're now doing team-based coaching with like Becker College, um, which is a really interesting thing for us because it's another, you know, as we looked at our platform, we were saying, so where else can Gamer Sensei add value? You know, we're a direct-to-consumer play, but where else, you know, might... Um, you know, might our platform and our distributed experts be helpful? And we saw the college market as a place where schools are really struggling. You know, they know they want to go into esports. I think the UK actually just announced a, a varsity level esports program for nationally, right? Uh, I don't know, but that sounds entirely uh, likely given the I, way things I, are going. Yeah, I, I think they did. And so, but, you know, obviously it's not like there's, you know, and we, you sort of alluded to this earlier, it's a bit of a wild west in esports. It's not like there's a, you know, a national association of esports instructors no, exactly. that you can ring up and yeah. say, hey, I need a league coach for, you know, you Bristol. Hmm. And so one of the coolest things we're doing Gamer Sensei with right now is actually starting to really serve the collegiate market and helping them out. And it's awesome for universities because they get access to way better talent than they'd be able to get, you know, locally. Mm -hmm. And they get it at a much lower cost and in a way that lets them serve multiple games right out of the gate. Because the classic thing we saw with universities is they would want to be in five games and they'd have one, you know, part-time position. Well, like, how how can they possibly, you know, do coaching mm. with, you know, a single part-time guy for Overwatch, League of Legends, you know, Smash Brothers? Like, it can't happen, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so increasingly, that's a really cool thing for us. Um, and I, I think, you know, hopefully we'll be... There'll be more stuff for us to talk about, you know, in colleges, particularly as we roll into the next academic semester. Mm. All right. So we have some questions from our community, as you can imagine. They were interested uh, in this interview and what you're doing there. So first up, we have Craig, who says, uh, in the physical sports world, there are established games that aren't going anywhere anytime soon. But in the gaming world, games fall in and out of favor very quickly. There are some notable longer stays in terms of esports popularity, such as StarCraft. But with an industry so young, this could change within 10 years as a new generation appears. Do you worry that uh, you will coach people for a game only to have a newer game replace it the following year that that's a really interesting question and i think it it kind of there's almost a deeper question underneath that um which i i kind of so first let me answer the direct one which is you know do we worry about games being replaced and the answer here is actually no in fact we we you know the beautiful thing about our platform is um we've now developed the processes to scale very effectively into new titles so yeah you know this is this is not like something where you know we have to bet all the farm on let's say hearthstone you know we now have processes so if we decide gwent is going to be has a lot of potential and could explode we can go into gwent coaching and serve that market quickly and in fact you know the other thing is i, th I think we have this little bit of a illusion is that you know the hearthstone pros just play hearthstone they don't you know the hearthstone mm. pros are, are gamers like the rest of us yeah. and as the market shifts they shift too you know it's like you know you know even even the hearthstone pros today a lot of them are old magic the gathering or starcraft pros who yeah of course it. so actually it's sort of the same talent pool that shifts amongst games in a lot of instances so it's not that's not a huge um risk the the deeper question there i think is really interesting i'm not i don't have an answer to but it's interesting to consider is what's happening with esports are we heading towards like platonic ideals like mm. is there a perfect moba 
And mm. every MOBA that comes out is just getting closer to this ideal MOBA form. Mm. Or, you know, and you could argue that that's sort of what sports is, right? Like there's there's the ideal ball sport in soccer and it was so good it kind of subsumed all the other ball sports and now it's what we care about. The know? rules only change uh, very slowly yeah. and incrementally over long periods of time, yeah. Exactly. You know, or maybe esports will be different and mm. it will be the case that literally every year there's a new soccer because that's what or the soccer equivalent, because that's what the taste in the industry is. People love the change and the challenge and the big shifts. Um, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that I, I tend to think um you know, the truth is probably something of a hybrid. There will be some games that are just such strong representations of their genre. They they become effectively perennial. And there will be other games that are, you know, or other genres that are interesting diversions, but ultimately, you know, cycle through. But it's it's a really cool thing to think about. Um, and it's one of the fun parts being in esports. Nobody knows, you know, they, they haven't been around long enough, you know. Well, excellently. Craig's follow-up question was actually, do you see a future where the esports scene settles on a few games or uh, opting for teams adept over many different similar games? So it's kind of answered that question. Um, but he oh, was, yeah, man. Yeah. Craig, you're way ahead of me. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't give you enough credit. <laughs> like... Either that or you're clairvoyant yeah. and somehow new. Um, yeah. And to what extent do you think the skills learned focusing on one game uh, are transferable? I, I assume, you know, within similar uh, genres of game there are certainly some transferable skills but uh, do you think even more like broadly you could say a hearthstone player could learn something about playing overwatch from that or or anything crazy like that oh yeah that's a really interesting question so i i definitely think skills are transferable between games um i would you know without going too far down a rabbit hole here because this is a personal interest to me i would sort of say there are there are two types of skills or three types of skills in in esports sorry so there are game specific there are truly game specific skills specialized knowledge like what is my item build in league of legends right that doesn't help me in anything else other than league of legends but that's critically important knowledge for me to have for league of legends right so those types of skills do not transfer at all right um so, okay, so there's that. But then there are two other types of skills that do transfer. One is the actual sort of reflex and accuracy skills. So, for example, you know, it's being able to stutter step in League of Legends, right? Just staying with that as an example. That's a skill that will transfer to similar game types like right. Hearthstone, Heroes of the Storm. If you're very good at making accurate small mouse adjustments, that may even transfer a little bit to shooter games, for example. So, you know, and think about it logically. If I've played... 10,000 hours of League of Legends and I start Overwatch, I'm going to probably be better at Overwatch than, um, you know, than somebody who you know, is just picking it up. So some of those things definitely do transfer. But then there are bigger skills, um, which I think transfer almost completely between games. And those can be things like leadership, clarity under pressure, mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, commitment and diligence in practice, things like that. And those are 100% transferable between titles. And in some sense, you know, that almost speaks to like, I think when we talk about coaching for esports, the impression is like, the coaching is just like, you know, can just be something like, okay, let's get your CS up in League of Legends, or okay, you know, let's, let's tell you what the right item build is for this. And that that really, if that that's not what coaching is, if that was all coaching is, it, it wouldn't be very effective. Mm. You know, a huge part of coaching is, in my mind, and in the mind of our instructors, I would say, you know, 
more of that third bucket in some sense, you know, like giving you advice, motivating you, giving you advice about how to think in split second situations, you know, helping you build the experience and the comfort so that when you're faced with, you know, pressure, like, you know, for example, your first, you know, online tournament bracket, you know, you're calm and collected and you you're pre- you feel prepared in a way that you might not otherwise if you hadn't had that experience. So, yeah. you know, those things are, I think, another huge piece of value that coaching adds and very transferable across games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of following on from that, uh, K Sub Zero One Thousand from the forum says, when discussing, and this might be more of a question for for your coaches, but I, I guess on a on a broader level, you'll probably have something to say about it. He says, when discussing and formulating in game strategies with pro players competing in high level tournaments, how do you find the right balance between following the tried and true current meta to the letter and venturing off the beaten path by implementing some more unusual tactics, which might give you the advantage of surprise? How much creative leeway do you think is healthy and when does it start to become an impediment so that's a really interesting question um i should precede this by saying uh i am not a coach and yeah. you wouldn't want me as a coach on yeah, game I got that. Um, so you know I, I think my answer here is is gonna have to be a little bit general um yeah i would say first of all, i think every instructor has their own preferences you know mm. some people you know basically you know, we'll say, you know, stick, stick to the meta right now, stick to, stick to, you know, those, the tier one heroes, you know, the tier one item builds, right? Because particularly for less experienced students, it's a big advantage. You know, why would you not pick that up? Right. Hmm. You know, other instructors would say, no, it's all about playing to an individual student's strengths. So if they have a lot more experience on, say, a tier two hero, right, or playing, you know, or a way of playing Genji, for example, which isn't necessarily the way pros play Genji in Overwatch, but, you know, is reasonably effective. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe they're not playing him as much of a backliner. Um, but they're still doing a nice job of hitting their shots and they're doing a good job of getting surprises, you know, but they're not really flanking the same way, you know, they would say play into the student strengths, right, you know, help them improve. So I think there's probably a, a divide there. You know, I, I would say ultimately, though, it goes to the the value that um, that coaching provides is this is somewhere where the student and the coach can try to figure it out. You know, we have students who just want to go off meta. You know, they want to do crazy things that are what they think is fun. And we have coaches who like to push the students to do crazy off meta things because they think it helps them learn. Right. If you only play um, Yasuo in League of Legends and you have a thousand hours on Yasuo, you'll be a pretty good Yasuo. But it might be better for you to learn to play some support games as Janna. You know, mm-hmm. and get a sense of what it's like to have a good support hero following you around. So, you know, some I think it, it really does vary, but it, it's it's an interesting question. And I, I think if you're super curious, you know, I mean, book a coach and see what they tell you. You know, tell me. I'd be curious to hear what what instructors say as well to that. Yeah. Uh, Case Sub Zero follows up with uh, with the current esports landscape being dominated by FPSs, MOBAs, RTSs, and fighting games, plus the odd one-hit wonder like Rocket League. Are there any genres that you feel are underrepresented or have some untapped competitive potential? Yes, I definitely feel that there are genres that are underrepresented. I would say the biggest one is probably tactics games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the closest thing in market for that right now is say Duelist. Um, but I definitely think that genre has potential and could see an explosion if there's the right sort of title that comes out there. Um, you know, I I also think a little bit that the FPS genre is ripe for disruption. Mm, um, right. You know, I, I think that uh, 
this notion that's sort of set by Counter-Strike and Team Fortress of, you know, and, and a little bit now Overwatch of uniquely powered heroes, you know, in objective-based combat is great, but it's a very narrow interpretation of the FPS genre. Yeah. And that's why when you see a game like PUBG come out, mm. which is a totally different take on that Battle Royale, it's, it explodes because it's the same great shooter gameplay. It's just re- they've reimagined the constraints around it. And I think the PUBG sort of explosion in esports, there are probably other interpretations of FPS like that yeah. that could also explode. Yeah. Um, so that, but those would be the two areas I'd say. I said there's still more innovation on FPS and certainly tactics. I mean, the only thing I, the only other thing I'd add, I guess, is look, RTSs are nowhere near as popular as they used to be. No. Um, and I, those are fundamentally great games. I mean, they were the birth of esports. If there can be a way to make RTSs more viewer friendly, because mm. I think the problem with RTSs right now is they're really not very fun to watch. No, it's um, really hard to understand with, what's going on if you've never it, played one or or. It, it's awful because the action's happening in 10 places at once you have starcraft 2 yeah. i have my main base i have my fast expo i have my main army i have my scouting it's really difficult to follow it as a viewer if there is a change in the way rts is presented to be more viewer friendly i think that there those genres could have a real comeback as well mm. Hmm. And finally, from the forum, uh, Alex79UK says, uh, do you think that like the heroes of traditional sports, a successful esport player will have a natural, almost innate flair for their chosen game? Or do you think that given enough time and practice, anyone could be a world champion? Yeah, I, I, you know, being honest, I, there, I do think like anything, um, there's an amount of native talent that matters, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, and it's... There are some people who are born with the potential to be world champions. And there are some people who can be very good, but probably can't get there. I, I think that's probably true. What I would say, though, is in esports versus, say, a traditional sport like basketball, the pool of people who are born with the potential to be world champions is uh, arguably broader than the pool of people who are, say, born to be you know, basketball superstars, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, just think of it alone. Like in basketball, if you're not at least six foot five, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so sorry for you. You know, it doesn't matter what you do, how mm-hmm. much you practice, how much you play, you will never be in the NBA. Um, you know, esports doesn't have that. In some sense, it's far more democratic. You know, I, I don't want to oversell it. I mean, the pro players have fighter pilot like reflexes yeah. i mean it's unbelievable yeah. how quickly they can respond the i mean like i mean even if you look at somebody like it was like fruit seller and you know starcraft 2 like i mean i i can't have 200 you know apm right no matter what i do i'm no. just not that so there is certainly a talent pool but i would argue the pool of people who are born with the potential to succeed in esports is much broader and much fairer than traditional sport mm. Mm. Cool. Uh, so uh, before I let you go, where can people find out more? And is there anything else you want to, to impart to our listeners bef- before you go? Oh, yeah. that's it. So where did I say? So find out more. So first of all, I mean, go to Gamersensei.com. That's G- www.gamer and then Sensei, S-E-N-S-E-I.com. Um, and check us out. And the thing I would say is, look, you know, try your lesson. It's pretty risk-free. Have an experience. See how much you like it. You'll love it. And then, you know, do more lessons because you're going you're gonna to be surprised how much better you get. Um, the only other thing I would probably say is, look, if you 
hear this interview and you're curious about anything, you know, I always love to hear from people who are using the platform or who are curious about the platform. So feel free to email me. I'm just William at gamersensei.com. You know, shoot me a note. And uh, if you'd like, you know, you could follow me on Twitter too at William underscore Collis, C-O-L-L-I-S, or follow Gamersensei at Gamersensei app. That's G-A-M-E-R-S-E-N-S-E-I-A-P-P. There you go. And that's my shameless plug. So there we go. Well, that's that's why you're here after all. Uh, that's cool. Um, yeah, full accountability there. You can email William directly uh, with uh, questions. And uh, yeah, that's excellent. Well, thanks for joining me, uh, William. It's been interesting. Oh, are you kidding? It was an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed the conversation. And listeners, uh, if you've enjoyed this interview extra, uh, do bear in mind our Patreon, patreon.com slash rinse and donate that minimum of a dollar a month or more if you think that all the podcasts we produce are worth it. And thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. Bye.